And I thought, <laughs> why am I replying to a guy in London about the credentials of Keir Starmer when my one-year-old has just done a shit on my head? He's out with a driver now. Now, I'm not sure this is right. Would somebody kindly go and stop him? Give him a large brandy and pop him down. No, this, this really is beyond a joke now. He's, he's, he's gone gaga because this is, uh, this is quite... I've never seen anything like it before and to attempt to hit the ball out of there is pure madness. Last golf shot. No, answer the question. That's terrible. This could be good. Come in. This could be good. Looks better than it is, folks. Not bad. Hello, you bunch of mother flockers. We are back. It is the RACTG podcast, episode five. It is a milestone, and I'm joined, as always, by Mr. Crawford Anderson. Dylan Crawford, how's it hanging? Hello. <laughs> Mrs. Stoutfire, I like the continuity. And uh, Big Bobby Cross. Bob, how's it going? Hi, Gary. Good. Spent most of my week dreaming about Woburn. We're going to talk about Woburn in just a little bit. Uh, a little bit more. Um, Sean Arbo, big shout out. And we are joined today for the first time making his podcast debut. It is all the way from Ireland by way of every good golf course in Australia and New Zealand. Mr. Jamie Kenny. Jamie, how are you doing, mate? Hello, friends. How are we? Very, very well, mate. And the reason we've got you on today is you're going to be the first non-podcast host to be given as your flock five. So without any further ado, because we've got so much to get through today, I'm going to pass me over to Rob. And Rob is going to run us through your flock five with, I'm guessing, occasional jump-ins from me and Crawford, um, which which will probably very easily descend into chaos. But Rob, (laughs) (laughs) good luck. (laughs) Go for it. Hi, Jamie. We'll ignore those two. Hey, Rob. So, the first the first non-host to give us the Flock 5. How do you feel? Yeah, good. Good. Um, yeah, there's a couple of nice ones in here. I would hope uh, hope you think of uh, uh, quite a lot of recency bias. But, uh, I have to say, I'm, I'm excited about this. I'm excited about this, Jamie. Should we ask Jamie who he is and what he does first? That's probably a good idea, actually, because I've just kind of thrown him in, <laughs> expecting everybody to know who he is. But Jamie did recently RIP from the main group as well. So there might be some <laughs> people that don't even know him. So, Jamie, you just give us a very quick who you are, what do you do, where do you play, and um, something nice about yourself. Who I am is myself, I suppose. I've uh, been in the group for the last uh, 13 months. So... I don't know, probably considered an OG at this stage. Uh, I remember the days where there was no chat for days on end and you'd have to poke it <laughs> and drop a picture here and go, well, lads, any crack today? No. Um, so we've come a long way. Now it's fucking chaos in there. Uh, but I already paid, as you said, a couple of weeks ago, uh, just to get my head straight and do some own some of my own stuff. Jamie, can I just say that you, you are IP'd at a good time because last week with the Masters was... Carnage. Fucking- chaos yeah. <laughs> we were running like well, two and a half three thousand messages a day or close yeah, a day. my thoughts were uh okay the u.s election that's gary off the rails uh, <laughs> <clears throat> uh the uk going into lockdown that's the rest of them going off the rails and uh the masters is coming up so i was like might be a good time to uh to bail here but um <laughs> no i'm still around it's just uh some of the other guys might not see me who've come into the group recently 
Uh, but yeah, I've been here quite a while at this stage. Uh, so yeah, probably one of the OGs now at this point. Um, where do you live and where are you a member? Uh, I live in County Mead. I'm a member of County Loud, Valtray. Uh, probably most famous uh, among, I suppose, modern golfers or modern viewers of golf. Um, the venue where Shane Larry won as an amateur, uh, the Irish Open back in 2009, um, hosts the East of Ireland Championship every year. It'd be considered probably one of the the top tier of championship golf courses in uh, in Ireland and definitely on the East Coast. Um, so I've been a member there since last year. Um, and um, yeah, that that what I do is kind of, you know, computer shit and, you know, all that clever stuff. And uh, yeah, I play golf eight days a week. <laughs> awesome. Is that enough, Gary? Do we know enough about him now? Look, I feel like he's my brother. Oh, I've had the privilege of playing golf with Gary, actually. Uh, oh, what? Yeah. Yeah, I've had the privilege of playing golf with Gary. Um, we played in Australia. Me and uh, golf, uh, Jamie, I think Jamie was one of the first flockers I met uh, yeah. out in Australia. We played St Andrews Beach uh, and met some kangaroos and had a had a bloody great old day of it. Uh, no, that was fantastic. And I really hope that makes it into your top five. Uh, it doesn't. I kind of, you know, was really present at the time and said, oh, I enjoyed it. I, I, I didn't really. It was, I, it was okay, you know. It's <laughs> a fucking slog. Was it, it Jamie, was it the course or was it the company? Be honest. Oh, the company was great. Oh, no, the course was great too. I think by the time I got to Gary, um, I had played 13 days in a row. Um, it was, yeah, I, I, I took too much on <laughs> by the time I got, got around to poor old Gary. You could tell you were a little bit broken. You were a little bit like... Jaded yeah. slightly, I yeah. would say. You still beat yeah. me because that goes without saying, but you were slightly jaded. Yeah. Goes at your name, losing Gary. <laughs> right, let's get through your <laughs> courses now, then, before we start um, any more character defamation. Yeah, yeah. sorry. Gary. Uh, so, Rob, let's get fired into this. Go for it. Starting with number five, please. Yeah, number five for me um, is Cape Kidnappers in Hawke's Bay, New Zealand, uh, on the North Island. Tom Doak special. Uh, I played it on, I'm not too sure the date, March of this year anyway, the day before New Zealand went into lockdown. So at the time I was stuck there. Yeah, I arrived to the golf course um, early in the morning, nice time, I think it was nine o'clock. Um, the drive from the gate to the front door is about like 15 minutes. Um, it's like five miles, isn't it? It's a long way. Yeah, it's crazy. There's 12 or 13 bridges, concrete bridges that you have to cross. You go up pretty much through a farmland and it's miles and miles off the road away from civilization. It's amazing. Doka said that one of the, like the logistics of building that golf course was a nightmare. They had to figure yeah. out how they could get bulldozers in there because they couldn't get it through there. I have to say like that the fact that they did use bulldozers and, you know, machinery and, and to get that route, if they used the route that the main driveway is through, Amazing, because they would have had to obviously clear all of that ahead of them. Um, but that was that was uh, that's number five, and it's number five because, and it's on the list as number five because it was such a great day. The the, the day we had, there was nobody around. The New Zealand was about to go into lockdown. There was no tourists around. Um, normally, it would be busy at that time of the year. The following day, they were going to close for two months. They didn't know what was ahead of them. Um, so everybody was kind of 
in in a weird kind of mood. They were happy to see people, but you know, yeah. they were kind of, you know, there was nothing going on. It was pretty dead. We arrived into the middle of a staff meeting where the general manager was basically letting all the staff know that this is it guys where you know we don't know what's coming next and uh, there was a weird atmosphere around the place but that didn't take away from the day itself um it's one of those places i, I think it's as it's because it's right on the coast it's one of those one of those places if you get bad weather you're going to be screwed if you get a day that i got where it was yeah. flat calm and just still um it's it's you're in for an amazing day i think it'll beat beat you up a bit uh, in spots if you did get you know an irish day or a you know you know a windy scottish day you might take away different things yeah. from it you might and not do, enjoy it as much do you think jamie it's one of those courses that if it wasn't on the top of the cliff and where it is the actual layout of the course would be as entertaining or is it is it the whole thing about it's just it's such a beautiful place the inland holes are very good i must say I, I i have to say the inland holes were really good they were really interesting uh more so because like the green sites that tom doak is famous for at this point uh that he picks out are are excellent but it's the the playing corridors to get to that point he obviously had to you know move land here and there um, on the inland holes, they're brilliant. Um, they're much better than St Andrews Beach. Um, but you know he has a style, if that if that makes sense. And uh, I had seen what he did at St Andrews Beach. Didn't really like it all that much. But then seeing what he did at Cape Kidnappers, amazing, just just phenomenal. Like what he did with the, with especially those those cape holes or those finger holes out into the into the bay. There's probably nobody else that would have, and that's the cliche that nobody else would have took it on. But like, I don't see, I don't see how else you would have got somebody have the balls to do it. Um, you know, at this point, I think he had taken some risks in in some of his other bills. Um, Did they have like a hotel down there? And not a hotel. It's they're like houses. They call it the farm at Cape Kidnappers, and so you stay in a farm, but it's like. Houses, lodges. I would say that's the biggest flex we've had in the short history of the podcast that Jamie's named Cape Kidnappers, which is at the top of many people's fantasy must playlists, at the bottom of his <laughs> top five. So, Jamie, your your dick is very much on the table at the moment. How strong a start of, is that? Yeah, yeah. Jamie, let's let's move on to number four. I think we'll move on to number four. But what a what a really strong start. Uh, number four is Port Marnock Golf Club here in Dublin, in Ireland. Um, I just love the place. Every time I go, I played it there a couple of weeks ago with a friend of mine, a couple of friends of mine, and um, I play it maybe once, twice a year. And every time I go, I get to see more and more of it um, coming out. Um, the tradition of the place as well is something that I, I like. I'm not, you know... I. <laughs> I, 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 there's a place for it um, and a certain you know, type of place for it and this is one of those much like uh, I suppose Muirfields uh, is a traditional place Port Manor is a traditional place here if you want to go upstairs and have dinner you've got to put a jacket and tie on and I kind of like that um, in, in parts in the right places um, when you know what yeah. you're getting into um, but the golf courses it's probably the best the fairest test of championship golf 
in the Republic, I think. It's, it's kind of famous, isn't it, for beer? I mean, I've, it's the kind of most Scottish links course in Ireland. A lot of people go to Ireland and they want the big dunes of Tarn and La Hinch and that, whereas it's kind of flat and just, just a really solid... Yeah, it's a flat site. Scottish-style pop bunkers and great greens. There's no tricks to it. There's all, it's all in front of you. They're quite narrow fairways in parts, uh, but the green complexes are immense in spots. And, uh, yeah, I absolutely, I absolutely love it there. People say it's got the best closing stretch in golf, like the last, like, part, was it four par fours or something? Or uh, So from, from like, 14, 15, 16, 17 in, yeah, it's pretty pretty brilliant. Um, it's tough uh, coming down the stretch. So um, if you're, you know, you got a score in your hand, which I never have had, um, you know, you're holding <laughs> on. Um, you're holding on, I suppose. That's why I suppose it's been host to all of those Irish champion or, or Irish Open championships throughout the years. Um, I suppose that's changed, um, and it, the fact that 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 championship has moved around, um, it probably doesn't get the attention on the global scale from a TV point of view or anything like that as it might have back in the day. Yeah. But uh, I absolutely love it up there. It's it's um, yeah, it's a special place I think in golf. Awesome. Another absolutely amazing, amazing choice. Yeah. One of those places on, on my list is somewhere. Else. Have you not played it, Cads? Nope, I've been there. I've been down to the clubhouse and wandered about, but I haven't actually played it. There you go. Number four. Let's move on to number three then, Jamie. I dread, I dread to think. I dread to think what number one's going to be, but let's keep going. Number three is Kingston Heath, um, Melbourne, Australia. Um, again, recency uh, taken over, but I was fortunate enough. I I, I got a friend there uh, as a member there. I got to play it twice while I was down um, in February, and uh, it's a shot maker's golf course. You're not going to overpower this place by you know hitting driver everywhere and you know smashing it around the place. Um, you got to plot your way around and pick your score and. Make sure that your ball's in play, or else you know it's going to eat you alive. Um, probably the, the, there's a recent golfers' journal. I think it's this episode of Golfers' Journal um, where it features the the par threes at Kingston Heath, um, fifteen, I think, in the corner, hundred and forty something yards. It's just amazing. Um, suggest you Google that while you're listening to this if you if you want to have a look at it. Um, well, why don't, that, why don't you tell us? Why don't you tell yeah, us? Yeah, uh, bunkers basically all up the right and uh, short left as well. Long is dead. 144 yards. Very small puttings. Not a very small, small enough that you got to hit a good shot to to stay on the green. Um, yeah. The, the, that saying of it'll challenge you if you're going to make birdie, but you can make par pretty easy. Very much true um, for this hole, but. The whole place itself, the vibe around the golf club is amazing. Um, like all sorts of people, all sorts of members. Um, the day I was there, the second day that I was there, they had a heap of guys playing with hickories and, um, you know, old ballad balls roaming around the place. Like it was, you know, bygone era. Um, sounds like, sounds like after a few weeks ago. Yeah. yeah. Um, Amazing practice <laughs> facilities. Um, the staff in the pro shop are, are top class. Um, 
and just the pure conditions of the place as well. That's another. That's another part of it too. It's the place that has famous lightning fast greens, and then those those bunkers that can ride up to the green. Is that the? No, that be. I think where you're thinking is metropolitan. Oh, metropolitan. Right, okay. Yeah. What's mad about the Australian courses, especially in that sand belt between Kingston Heath, Metropolitan, Royal Melbourne, all that sort of places, and, and Jamie, you know this yourself. They're all crammed into the city. So the, the the actual gridding of Melbourne and all the suburbs is like your kind of square gridding cities and uh, outward towns and, and little towns outside of actual Melbourne itself. Mm-hmm. But the courses are just, it, it's like they just take these square plots of land of X amount of acres or whatever and just drop these amazing golf courses in. So it's not as if they're out in the wilderness or they're on the, uh, obviously like the links in Scotland and Ireland and they're not in natural dunes, dunes or anything like that. They're just dropped right in the middle of these suburbs. So as soon as you leave uh, the course, or as soon as you leave the property, you're just kind of back in the suburbs, the streets, the bars, the pubs, and all that sort of stuff, which I found absolutely yeah. mental. Yeah, it's amazing. Uh, it's Yeah, it's hard to describe until you go there. Um, if people want to see my pictures of it, because I know it's not a not a Sandbelt-specific podcast, uh, they're on the Refuge, uh, on the... Uh, the photos uh, page on the refuge. I mean, on top, on top um, of you talking about it being like a shotmaker's golf course and the actual shot value of it all, it's quite pretty on the eye as well. Yeah, Kingston Heath. Yeah, uh, it's a it's a really flat site actually. Kingston Heath specifically, Kingston Heath, and most of them are, except for I think uh, Royal Melbourne's pretty up and down. Uh, Metropolitan's flat. Um, Victoria, I think, is up and down a little bit as well. But um, most of them are flat, and the ability to just bunker it up really well, and and that 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 you know the shot makers phrase. What I mean by that is, like you, you can take on a bunker at two eighty, or you can lay back at two forty and guarantee yourself a shot. That's what I mean by shot makers. Like you don't always have to try and take everything on you might not get more than likely not going to get rewarded if you you know go over the top with stuff and you know um but that that's my number five that was a bit of a ramble what did you shoot there uh millions <laughs> yeah i didn't care no 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 didn't care didn't give a shit no on that on that on that million chat let's move on to number two so very strong three four and five number two for us number two is oh god is this because you can't remember? No, or you're trying to decide I just don't it? know where. Like, I've got three in mind for two spots. Oh, oh um, man. Yeah. Um, just, uh, do it, just do it, Gary did, and just do a tied fifth and put two in there. Yeah, so look, tied second. Tied second is going to be uh, Royal County Down and Royal Port Rush um, for... Both for different reasons, I suppose. Um, Give us County Down first, then. It's just a special place because of the scenery that's around you, um, both you know above you and on the ground. Um, yeah, it's, it's it's hard to describe, I suppose, what's going on there. Um, and I so it's it's just different than anything else you'll play anywhere else in the world, or that I've played anywhere else in the world. Um, uh, yeah. So it was on my uh, it's on my list as well, yeah. um, Jamie. If you heard that, and one of the things I'd said about it, which you might because you played it as well, is that there are very few links courses that are surrounded by mountains. 
So you often you have that kind of that links look, but you don't have it framed by these huge mountains behind it, and it makes a massive difference yeah. in what kind. Yeah, of it's something else. Um, but rush, but rush is just the ultimate test, I think, um, and the ultimate, I suppose, viewing experience. It's got everything. Uh, it's got the it's got this this the seaside holes, four, five, six. Um, it's got that you know, championship test to it as well, uh, which I don't feel like Royal County Down is a championship test. I've said this before. I see in, in Ireland, I feel, and I haven't played golf in Scotland or the UK much, much. Um, but there's tourist golf, which is, you know, Ballybunion, La Hinch, Cairn, Big Dunes, and then there's championship links golf, um, you know, Ormanic, Port Rush, And I don't put Royal County Down into that part um of championship test it's yeah. it's something not? else it's because it's something else on its own it's 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 totally different the aesthetic of the place like looks like no other all of the others kind of look similar but yeah rock indy down is is different it's in a category of its own i would feel um so i i haven't played it but crawford and i spent a good part of 12 hours walking around it and yeah although i didn't i didn't play it i felt that it was kind of magical. There yeah. was it just I, I I think it's very, very hard to describe, but it is it's very, very different to anywhere else I've ever been. And I actually didn't even play it. And it, it, I, I get what you're yeah. saying well, totally. Yeah. Well what I've what I've always said is that it's Royal County Land is like a Tolkien novel. Yes. You expect yeah. elves and fairies to walk around you get around the corner of a dune, there's like a wizard walking past. Mm. Whereas Poor Rush is more war and peace. It's a big battle. Yeah. It's the wind and the rain yeah. and the kind of I probably sense that anybody or would have a have an idea that anybody that you talk to for their flock five that have played either or both of those will say very similar things. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Have you played Port Rush both so pre open without yeah. the two yeah. extra holes? Yeah. What what difference yeah. did you notice? Um, a bit harder. No, nah, not really. I mean, it's just a it's just a different finish. Um, yeah, it's better now. Uh, there's no there's no doubt about it. It's better now. Um, but uh, last year I played it last September. Actually, I was in the group at the, at the time. Now that I now that I remember, we were in the Harbour Bar, and I sent sent a couple of pictures of the Harbour Bar into the group. And um, I don't know if you remember that, Crawford. But uh, yeah. I don't drink. And we were with a couple of mates of mine, two, two boys, pros, and one of the best 13 handicappers in the world. We went off. And uh, we were out at first light. We got out in a freebie. And so we were out at 7 o'clock. And the boys are still half caught in the first. I'm going, right, lads, come on. Lovely, you know, serious golf here. No. We just had a, had a great day, you know. Um, there was no scores to be had that day either. Uh, millions. That's very similar. That's very similar what what we did, Crawford. I know we've talked about it on a previous podcast, but I think that's almost what we did as well, wasn't it? It was just let's just play, let's just go and yeah. play. Don't even yeah. worry, yeah. worry about what the score is. Yeah, and they're often the best yeah, days. Would, yeah. yeah. So anyway, so here we go. Two A and two B. We'll say we'll, we'll allow that because Gary did it as well, but he did it yeah. five five A and five B. So okay. Jamie, number one. That's why we're here. For one, um, is a place Gary knows a thing or two about. Um, 
<laughs> Look at his face. His wee face. See the words, baby. See the words. <laughs> um, we were actually meant to play there together, uh, but I got a better offer. Let's be honest. Uh, <laughs> Revelations. Revelations. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Royal Melbourne. Um, Melbourne, obviously. Um, it's, um, yeah, it's just, the most comprehensive the Royal Melbourne West I got to play Royal Melbourne West uh, it's probably just the, the, the most comprehensive test or not even test but golf course that I've played from start to finish um, for a variety of reasons um, there's loads of room you can hit driver all day if you want or you can you know poke around and try, try and get a score in a different way um, the day I played it, um, I got it on a hoor of a day. I got it in 40 kilometer an hour winds. I, it, it just ate me alive in every manner of ways, but that didn't, you know, that didn't take away from the place at all. Um, yeah, so loads of room off the tee, um, but you have to play a shot if you want to, have a you know a decent angle into the green, and that's the thing that you that you hear over and over again, and you read over and over again. But it's over and over again said over and over again because it's true. Um, like that's the McKenzie feature, and he he, he I've I've played a couple of McKenzie courses now at this stage, and one here in Ireland, Cork, very much similar. You got to take on the corners that he set in front of you to have a chance at you know, with the best angle into the green. But he puts stuff in the way, you know, if you go either side and you don't hit a good shot. So um, that's, that's, you know, the, the nuance and the beauty to that place. But the green complexes and in and around the greens, you have no, you have no chance if you're on the wrong side of the hole. Um, Gary probably screwed with me there. Like, I mean, you played well there the day you played, Gary, is what you said. I knocked it around decently and it was yeah you you get if you get above the hole where you shouldn't be above the hole you die very very quickly I remember one hole it was it was I think it was the six and it's um big huge slope up to the green green looks relatively flat but it's not and then there's a big slope at the back of the green and I was through the back and I tried to de- play a deft little chip and I chipped it maybe seven or eight feet in front of me still in the rough and just let it slowly release onto the green. And I thought, that's perfect. That's going to be stone dead. And the next thing I knew, I had a wedge in my hand and I was 40 yards back off the front of the green. And the guys just said, I could have told you, as soon as you walked up to that, that's where you were going to be. Because if you're above that hole, your next shot is from either right in front of you or off the front of the green. And that's that. You've got no other choice. Yeah, you got it on a flat cam day. I got it on a 40 kilometer an hour day. So put what Gary's just said... <laughs> along with 40, 40 kilometer into an hour a day. Turbine. Yeah, into a into a hurricane. So you also shot millions. Yeah, millions. Yeah. I'll beat the absolute shit out of me. Um I have no point no problems saying that. I made a couple of pars, I made a couple of birdies, but the rest of it just gobbled me up and spat me out and I absolutely loved it. What do you think your uh, your accumulative total is over your five stroke six favourite golf courses? Because it seems like you shot millions in all of them. I don't know, Crawford, I think he's maybe just a bit masochistic because <laughs> all his favourite courses seem to be the ones that kick him in the arse the worst. Yeah, but <laughs> yeah, you go. You got to go to these places. If you're going to these places on a trip, 
like like I was on. You got to forget about score, um, or else you know you'll you won't enjoy it. Um, you got to forget about how you're hitting it. You know you want to hit it nicely, um, but you you got to you know drop the ego a little bit. You're not at home. Uh, you're here to have a good time, enjoy the place. Um, if it beats the shit out of you, so be it. Um, Rod Melbourne beat the shit out of me that day, but I I I think about it every day. To be honest, I talk um, about it every day. To be honest, yeah, <laughs> I noticed. Yeah, we know. I don't like to talk about it, but you know. <laughs> yeah, Jamie, I've got an important question for you. When you were there, did you buy yourself a navy quarter zip with a Royal Melbourne logo in the? On no, the because his arm isn't covered in fucking tattoos. <laughs> <laughs> But, and, and do you wear and do you wear this sweater everywhere you go? <laughs> no, no. I, I bought myself a little T-shirt and a couple of other bits and pieces. Um, but it's just a special place. Um, I'd love to go back and play the, play the composite and play the East, and I'm sure I will one day. Um, but I, I genuinely think about it every day. But I have to say, like the highlight uh, for me was was five and six. Um, five a par three and then six the one around the corner i think the, the one gary was talking about yeah again I, i'd suggest you go and google those two of me or, or go and look on the refuge the pictures that i put up on the refuge um just amazing just amazing and i got to i got to play with two with, with two lpga tour players um oh. as well and my host for the day what? as well I, was, I didn't know that what yeah that's why i ditched you gary they had missed the cut at um. They had missed the cut at the Vic Open, and they were waiting on a flight. And they, I missed uh, the cut all the time, jumped. and you didn't want to play with me. They jumped. <laughs> I they jumped. Missed the cut. They jumped in. <laughs> they jumped in our in our in our group. So uh, yeah, it was it was great. Oh, the light, Jamie, were they really good? Yeah, yeah, they were funny enough. Two pro, three pros actually. Uh, the three, my host was, was, was there as well. Um. Yeah, they knocked it around very nicely. They didn't have millions, but, you know, that's what they do for a living. <laughs> you were there for fun. Yeah, I was there for fun. I mean, I think it's probably a really good place to stop because if you're thinking about a golf course every day, that's seriously worthy of being number one, right? Well, here, the industry, so like we've, we've, done four, we've done four of these now. Two of you have gone for Royal Melbourne. Uh, you had second and I had first for Royal County Down and you had second... And Rob had first for Port Rush. So Royal County Down, Royal Port Rush, and Royal Melbourne are doing pretty well so far in the stakes, aren't they? Not <laughs> bad, is it? Yeah. Well, that says not it all, bad. It? Imagine you think you're going to be playing golf with me, and instead you get to play with three professional golfers. Like obviously it's going to fly up in your mm. estimation at that point. <laughs> yeah, that's what that's what it was, Gary. Not, not a few sheep millions and they don't. <laughs> Jamie, thanks, thanks so much for that, mate. I think uh, that's going to be uh, really well received. Awesome stuff. Thanks, guys. I don't wear underwear either. I like to, but I sometimes get a bit of chafage. So, the Masters last week, and I'm sure Gary and Crawford have got plenty to talk about that. Was it all? I didn't, I didn't notice. First and foremost, I just want a little finger in the air, and we can confirm this before the next podcast. From Thursday, 12.30 featured groups to Sunday, 8pm, how many messages in the group chat? Give us a number. I reckon there must have been eight to 10,000. Yeah, I was going to say seven, seven and a half. I reckon we're 
in round about seven and a half thousand because yeah. I think the Saturday was the most mental day and there was at least two thousand. But the, the Sunday kind of was a little bit quieter because it was a bit of a procession. And then Thursday, Friday, I think some people were pretending to work a little bit in the afternoon as well. <laughs> so I think we maybe got done at about seven and a half, which I'm saying just seven and a half. That's still fucking bonkers. Cad, what are you saying? If Gary's going seven and a half, because we'll get John to look at this and we'll get an actual figure. His explanation actually makes sense. I know that at one stage, somebody hadn't looked at it for a day and it was 2,580 messages on his screen that he hadn't seen. So that was from one day. I think that was... Go on, give me, give me a number. Come on, let's go. Uh, I'm going to say five. I'm going to say five. I reckon eight, eight to nine. Five, eight. seven and a half and eight. Let's go. Perfect. So, general thoughts. Then I'll go with you, Gary. First, what 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 did you think of the tournament in in general? Gen- <sighs> just a general a general overview. I want summary. to say I want to say I loved it because it was the Masters and it was been such a while since the last one and it was Augusta. But it's not going to be one in years that I look back on as a classic. It was you know first couple of days were good because there was a little bit of carnage here and there and there was some fun storylines. Saturday, Sunday, they were they were fine. Like if you like watching really, really, really good golfers put together oppressive and clinical rounds of golf, it was great. Yeah. But I wanted fucking drama and madness. Twenty nineteen spoiled us. Put it that way. Twenty nineteen completely spoiled us for the Masters. I think clinical is a really good word, actually. Cad, what what were your thoughts? Um, similar. I. Like in a general sense, I really loved it. I loved to be in like a major at this time of the year. I loved to be in the Masters. Um, I loved getting to you know sit all week with the build up and then you know watching it talk about it on a Wednesday, seeing everybody there. Thursday, them going out playing, all of us chatting on the group. I and the carnage in the first two days. I mean, the fact that that Bryson played shit in the first two days was an absolute. Like one of the best things I've seen this year. Thoroughly enjoyed that. That, that yeah, the, seven the that he had on thirteen was was unbelievably enjoyable <laughs> and just oh, comedy, comedy golf. I mean, he took he hit a provisional. He took huge relief, a dodgy drop, which was so much closer to the hole, and then he chunked then his he chip. Did. It he was absolutely it. carnage. It was like, the timing of that was so good as well because everybody was obviously watching him going off at 10 expecting something big to happen. A lot of people maybe hadn't properly tuned in yet at this point as well because they're expecting to be eased into the round. You don't expect fireworks on a Thursday and an hour into his round, he just hits fucking mega eject and he never recovers from it. And it's just like, that could not have been a better, like spicier start to things. I mean, that, we his, his implosion made Thursday and Friday fantastic, and I, and the problem with the weekend is, as you said, Gary, it, it just there was it really needed so like if Rory had come back and shot sixty two on Saturday, uh, and then he was making a real run at it on Sunday, it would have been a really really good entertaining, but it just nobody did on Saturday, and so it was just Johnson just slowly plodded his way around, doing okay, and then Sunday, you know, he still got a bit shaky to begin with, and he birdied what four or five. Uh, and then he was fine again, and he just kind of carried. Nobody really threatened him, so it was a bit boring. But um, but look, I loved it. I, I, mean, think, I really enjoyed the fact that it was on. I think wasn't the score and average on the Sunday one of the highest it's ever been. 
So even if people were playing really, really well, they weren't ever going to be shooting 62. And I think what was the lowest round of the day? It wasn't even, was it 66 or 67? It wasn't even anything crazy, was it? So, you know, I think clinicals are really good work for that. Yeah, because I think that, was... that's what kind of does Johnson a disservice a little bit because we are kind of saying it was a bit boring. Do you know what? It was a bit boring. And you can argue that nobody was making a run at him or nobody was you know, trying was to chase up that leaderboard. Too good. They weren't being allowed to. Like that was no. the, the course was set up. They were putting pins in different positions from the usual Sunday pins. They were letting the greens dry out and get a little bit faster. So the guys weren't making runs because they weren't being allowed to make runs. Now I think Augusta set that course up so that Johnson didn't go out and shoot 62 and absolutely embarrass their scoring records. But the reason um, that they've done that, fair enough reason, but the outcomes then being that nobody else has been able to do that and nobody yeah. else has been able to post a good score and, and really challenge him because you've seen guys like JT, like Ram, guys that you thought would have been at least threatening, just fading away. And while that's a testament to how good DJ actually was, when the race is run by the time you get to the 10th tee on the Sunday, the back nine of the Masters is what it's all about on a Sunday and it just... So we've got we've got those general thoughts out of the way. Is there is there anything um that really sticks out as a highlight for either of you? I mean, we've we've just talked about Bryson, you know, on, on 13 on, on day one. Oh, but... Crawford, you wanted me to remind you of one, and it's probably mine as well. So just let you talk about it. Is Tiger going 10 birdie, 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 or whatever I, it was? So I, I was thinking about this the other day. I think it's <laughs> I think it's one of the best pieces of golf I've ever seen in my life. Not because, like, Tiger's done lots of things in his life, but it was, you know, on the Sunday, he's not really in the competition. He's just kind of playing for position for fun. And then he hits a 10 on the 12th hole. And I'm glad he hit the 10 this year and not 2019. Um, So I I didn't really care anything anybody did. But it would have been, like at his age, all the things that he's won, the position that that put him in the competition, it would have been totally understandable if he just fucking checked out for the rest of that round. If he just went, I'm just not, you know, just batted around and didn't care. But he just, but he didn't walk off the hole angry. He wasn't chucking clubs. He wasn't... Did you see his face? Oh, yeah, Did you face, see his, his face? face was, he was fucking thundering. That he was, was angry. But what <laughs> Tiger I mean is like, of he, elite he was, times. He was really, really fucking angry, and he decided yeah. to take it out in the golf course. That was that was Tiger of years said, ago. Fuck you on, on 13. Fuck you on 14. Fuck you on 15. Fuck you on yeah. 16. And he just had like this crazy run to come, and he ended up, was it one over or something like that? But I've never seen anything. Like, like, Ed, like I don't know anyone else that would have just decided to say fuck you to the golf course and do that, everyone else would have just checked out. And I've never seen anything like that before. But that, that's the thing. People wonder why sometimes Woods is so kind of broken down, not only physically, but like mentally as well. But like, there's no other golfer in history that's grinded over every fucking shot. How many times have you seen it when he's not even been in contention in a major over the past decade and you watch his final round and he is grinding out every single, single putt, every single drive on the way in? Like He just does not mess about with that. He needs the money, Gary. <laughs> he's grinding for that T12 that T14 like Monty was in 2002 have you got Jamie as you're still here have you have you got a highlight that's different to that because I'm, I'm struggling um, to think of one really yeah like obviously the highlight is the golf course um, we all know it 
but we don't we don't you don't get you know you don't get to see it from all those different camera angles. Didn't really like the yeah. drones. I was kind of over it by the end of the week. Um, but I thought the highlight was, uh, I suppose, just seeing it in a different different setup. Um, yeah. I have this thought in my mind that I'll eventually somehow get to play there. And it'll be most likely in a condition like that, where it's not Masters Week and it's not in that condition. Um, one can dream. But, you know, so, you know, you try and, Jamie, if anybody if anybody will contact and sniff their way onto that golf course using the little black book, it's going to be you, mate. Yeah. I have absolutely no doubt about it. Yeah, you, yeah, so it's just I thought it was different, thought it was good. I never want to see another Masters in November again. Uh, and I never want to I never want the Masters to be over pat before ten o'clock in the, the evening on a Sunday. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that that yeah. was my that was all I could say about this week, what, yeah. I thought one of the highlights were just with Jamie talking about the drones there. I got an appreciation for the slopes and the greens like I'd never had before, just with the way that the cameras were, because you do get the the same camera setups every year, and it's obviously from above and makes everything look relatively yeah. flat. And you see these putts taking wild swings, and then they brought the camera levels down to down to kind of worm's eye view, and some of the slopes and those greens are absolutely bonkers. So I got a huge appreciation for that, but I totally agree with Jamie. Never want to see it in November again. Don't want to see it finished by 10 o'clock UK time again, and don't want to see it finished by mid-afternoon on Saturday uh, as the competition. And, and one, one last thing, I don't want to see three balls on a Sunday again. That's two years in a row now. Yeah, I'll, t- I'll, tell, you what I, I'll tell you what I can do, though. I could quite easily not ever have spectators there again. I actually really enjoyed it without the without the crowds. I think the thing is as well, you get you get you get the camera views from those places because we all know we talked about the app that you could follow every golfer for every shot. So there's got to be coverage. So there's got to be cameras following every single group, which is probably the first time ever. So with crowds, is that going to be possible in April? Well, they're gonna do it, so I think it is gonna be possible. Are they going to go with crowds in April? Well, I don't know. I, I don't think so. Who knows? There was a crowd there over the weekend, right? There was loads of people there. Fucking hangers-on everywhere, mate. 150 <laughs> hangers-on off the back of the 18th green, laughing politely. Yeah. So come on, right, we'll move it on. So we've got we've 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 done the general thoughts. We've had a little highlight, which um, a couple of highlights. So is there anything that's the biggest disappointment? I would imagine I know what Crawford's is without even talking, and I imagine everyone that's listening or everyone that knows Crawford, what his biggest disappointment is. So, Gary, or yeah, go. I'll go with you first, Gary, and we'll come to Cad if he if he hasn't been picked up already. <sighs> a lot of little disappointments, obviously, just the fact that the competition was pretty much done. But my biggest disappointment in a golfer was just the absolute lack of John Ram over the weekend. Ram was one of the absolute favourites, sitting joint top of the leaderboard, really looking like it was about his time to break out. We've seen him and DJ dueling all the way from June up to now, over number one. Obviously, Ram hold that, what, fucking 65-foot putt um, earlier on in the season yeah. to kind of pip DJ at the post when it was coming to the, the kind of edge of the Tour Championships. So I was really excited to see. I thought we were going to get a Saturday-Sunday, basically, playoff between those two men. Uh, and Ram fucking cold-topped a ball <laughs> and then hit it from one tree yeah, into did. another tree. He did. And he, yeah. he, de- he self-detonated. So yeah. I think if you're looking at a player, you're looking probably at Ram from a really, really good position on Friday evening to being a complete non-factor on Sunday evening. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that's that's the kind of main one that stuck out for me. 
Jamie, have you got one before I get to CAD? Because I think I know what CAD's is going to be. Disappointment? Yeah. Um, I think you've already said that you don't yeah, want three yeah. balls. So. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Like, I mean, I'm just disappointed they played on after 14 holes. Can I, uh, <laughs> can I tee up Crawford's disappointment, please? Go on, Gary. Um, so Go for it. Crawford <laughs> took his balls out the bathwater on Saturday and basically put every uh, bit of his reputation on the line by saying that DJ was going to bottle it, DJ was going to blow it, DJ's a choker, we're going to have a competition on. I don't know why you lads are all calling it over. DJ is definitely uh, going to make an arse of this in the front nine tomorrow. It's anybody's game. Lump the house, lump the mortgage on anybody else. And uh, I don't know what happened. What happened, Crawford? Well, even a monkey can write Shakespeare if you let them tap it dry enough times. Um, and, Sometimes uh, they write Sharknado, mate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, fucking DJ. I uh, I decided to die on that hill and um, died on it. I did. Uh, I, yeah, I don't know what to say. I just I don't fucking like him. Crawford, Crawford. Him. We all we all make we all make claims. Do you remember about five, six, seven years ago, I said something which I regretted very quickly? Yeah. But he, he has said, died he, recently. He said, <laughs> Rob once said that Jordan Spieth was the worst golfer he'd ever seen and he would never win a major in his life. Within six, <laughs> within, within a year of having said that, he'd won three. And <laughs> yeah. finished second in the, in the Masters as well. <laughs> yeah. It was I, obviously I, just a bit of a delayed reaction, Rob, because since then <laughs> he has died and he will never win another major again. I know. So you were right in the, the fullness of time. Rude of him to win uh, three in the, in the meantime. But Crawford, I, I didn't have uh, DJ, I didn't have that down for you. I, I would thought you would have said. Oh, Rory. Round, round one, Rory. Yeah, well, not even round one. It was, the, it was the second nine of, of Rory's first round. Doing what Rory seems to do best in a major where he has one really, really, really shit round. And then has a backdoor almost. But he but doesn't, doesn't, doesn't bother me. I think he's going to win in April now. If you think about the trajectory, he had a shit for day one, and then he's got day two, day three, day four, and then you just you just extend that into April for day five, six, seven. When do we give up? It's total battered wife syndrome. And this, <laughs> when this do we is, give up? This was the worst possible week for all the Rory fans because see if he just maybe 73 or 74, 75, and then just fucking arsed about for three days, it would be fine. We would all accept the death. We would all mourn the death. We would all visit the gravesite every now and again. But because he started poking his hand up through the earth like a fucking <laughs> Irish golfing zombie and says, oh, look, guys, I still remember how to play. It's given that false hope once again to all of these yeah. absolute battered housewife fans that still keep hanging about this dead guy. He can't play when the pressure's there in his head. It's the first round there. It's the first round of Portrush all over again. Somebody made a tweet and it was a joke, but he should do it. He should go out and get fucking shit-faced the night before a round and turn up half drunk, hung over, and just go out and play. Because that's when he plays his best, when he just goes out and hits the ball and seems to be in that non-caring mode. When he's got the pressure in his shoulders, the bed is shat again. Anyway, I'm with I'm with you, Crawford. He's winning in, in April, so we'll move on. We'll move on, and um, we're we're gonna have a little look at uh, very quickly a low key winner. So, Gary, you you pop this on the list. Can I can I just I'll just say one first, and hopefully it isn't the same one. Cam Smith. Cam Smith was fantastic, and that's a, a, a guy to come out of absolutely relative obscurity and have the balls to put that sort of round together 
in a Sunday on in a major on Augusta when he knows he's kind of the only person that was remotely challenging DJ. He was hitting the ball all over the planet and was getting up yeah. and down from absolutely everywhere. His putting was unreal. His putting was unreal. And, and also, and to go on from your conversation there, Gary, about you know Rory needs to go out and get drunk the day before and then just go out and play golf. Cam Smith looks like he has gone out and got <laughs> smashed the day before, and he's just um, doesn't know where he is. He's just hitting a ball with his mates. His caddy looked like a panhandler that he picked up from the street in the way. She's like, "You'll do, mate." Man. <laughs> so a low key winner. So I'd I'd go Cam Smith and and just say that yeah for for those for those reasons. Have you got anyone different? That's it, uh, Sungji. Sung JM uh, yeah. had a fantastic start to the season. So he was there or thereabouts every week in February, March. The break the break from golf was probably the worst thing that could have happened to him because he was looking very good at the players as well just before everything stopped. Um, and then he's come back. He's not really been in that same vein of form. And he just went out and he just struck the shit out of the ball for four days there. I have Go one. on, Jamie. Uh, Andy Ogletree. Yeah, he's good winner. Well. Uh, I watched him win the US Am last year, Ram Pinehurst, and uh, he came back from fucking. Okay, he was dead, like uh, going into the. I think the last the last eighteen um, at Pinehurst, but he, he had he has game, like he's got proper game, and uh, he just shit himself the first four or five holes. I'd do the same myself playing with Tiger and, and Larry, like. You know, happens. He's only 21, 22. Um, and the Tiger and the Masters and the Open champion. It's going to happen to you. Um, but he yeah. came back. He came back and grinded his ass off. And, um, yeah, it was, it was good to watch. Up, kind of on the, uh, two on under the or three under he ended up, wasn't it? Two Who's under, was... yeah, two, one or two. Uh, I, don't, I don't know, but I won the... Won the um, but, the amateur prize, but uh, yeah, I thought Huddy was a winner because he was looking dead and buried after four holes, and you're going, "Oh God, love this yeah. poor chap." But uh, yeah, but, it was good to see. Nice, he's nice. very good. So he's got, he's got game. He's yeah. turning pro, isn't he? They interviewed him yeah. afterwards. He yeah. said he was going to so turn has, pro. Really so has uh, so has John Augustine. He's got game as well. He'd be ready to turn pro like today. Yeah, well, yeah. He's, so he's supposed to do really good. They're supposed to turn pro in April after the Masters, weren't they? Oh no, yeah, after, he. Uh, after the Open, they were going to the US Open. They were going to turn pro. Yeah, John Augustine took an extra year of college because um, he didn't know what to do it himself. But like, he's good enough to turn pro. Anytime I watch, anytime like this year's USAM, he was able to shout again. I think he got into the the qualifying match for the rounds. Um, but those boys are good. Like the next generation's good coming out. Yeah. yeah. So my my low key my low key winner. I uh, you know I I really appreciate. The Cam Smith and Sunjay uh, chat, but the truth is that I needed both of those players to hunt DJ down, and they both failed spectacularly. So they're both <laughs> fucking dead to me now, as far as I'm concerned. Um, my low key winner um, was Hideki, who I think showed all of us oh that, uh, that that you can that you can play golf looking like with the craziest shittest shirt on that's ever been worn. <laughs> I'm and then that. not only do you wear the, the shittest shirt that's ever been worn, but the next day you come out with an even shitter one, and then the third day with an even shitter one. It's unbelievable. It's Hideki, progression though, isn't it? Hideki is an anomaly in the Matrix. Um, a golfer who has never held a putt inside 10 feet in his life 
and looks like <laughs> a rotating barbershop quartet singer as well with a home jersey and an away jersey by the looks of it. Um, he's a he's a character for sure, um, and I like watching him. But watching him putt makes me not ever want to putt again. <laughs> See, I'm really, 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 yeah, I'm gonna. I'm, we're gonna. We're gonna move it along because this is this is taking far too okay, long. But just, but just just very quickly, we have um, we have to have a little conversation about Adam Scott, um, who everyone admits is a beautiful man. Rob Everson, this is a quote from the from the chat said, "quote I'd ride him myself." <laughs> 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 but uh, with a little bit of chat in there about, about uh, Adam Scott's clothing, I was talking about Hideki. What did you boys think? You think Adam Scott's well dressed, or do you think he's a no? Because he, wear, he wears baggy brown stuff. Yeah, baggy. And that, that's a, that's another stuff. thing. Nike Ple- pleated trousers. Everything, well. everything Nike and everything Adam Scott was disgusting to look at throughout the full masters. Here, baggy brown khaki. I know they were maybe going with this kind of autumn colours thing, but it was like. Just jobby brown polo shirts. Nobody want. Who's going to go buy that? You'd know what ugly clothes look like, Gary. Look, mate. <laughs> I'm, I'm You'll just, be picking them up in the next six months. Well, when, when yeah. they're fifty, when they're fifty percent off because nobody else buys them, <laughs> I definitely will be purchasing them. But as as the group self-appointed fashionista, I'll tell you right now that those were disgusting. Yeah, they're horrendous. <laughs> and for, but for me, the worst of all of them was Fleetwood because he was wearing the brown trousers and then had like on a sort of pale pink and white stripe. He wears what they shirt. give him. He doesn't have a yeah, choice. Sure. When he's got his cardigan on, he looks like a wee boy that's raided his dad's wardrobe and pulled that's... out something that's far too big for him and sticks on the big Fleetwood cardy. It's about four sizes too big on him as well. Do we all, do we think Fleetwood's going to win a major one day? Nah. Nah. The, the, the problem is now the elite of the elite is always... The elite of the elite is too deep and he's in that rung just below the elite of the elite. And these guys are always going to just pip that lower rung out. So the guys like DJ, Ram, Rory, Bryson, JT are just a rung above guys like Fleetwood. And unless somebody like Fleetwood just has an all-world week and puts together four great rounds like that, he's always going to be a bridesmaid to these beautiful brides at the top. I understand. Rob, what do you think? Fleetwood, I think Gary summed him up really well. However, I do think if um, conditions suit, he has got game for the Open. Uh, and But I think apart from that, he's going to have to rely on other people not to, to do so well. I mean, he's already finished second at the US, didn't he? And he didn't really get very close. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if he can get in. He's he's got to get into that next level, and and how does he do that? I think Gary's really right, and I don't really like agreeing with Gary much. But I, know. I think. But yeah, do you know what that that leads us very quickly onto this one? Then, right, four majors next year, just four names, no explanation. Four major winners next year, Rob. Uh, Rory for the Masters. Uh, I will say DJ for the Open. I will say. Um, JT for the US Open and just to be very different for the PGA. Oh, I've got in the old order there, haven't I? Yeah. I've got in the old order. Yeah. Uh, PGA, I'll go. Uh, I'll go JT as well. I think JT is really close to being absolutely fantastic. I mean, he's fantastic anyway, but I think he's already got one good year for him next year. 
Had it here first. I, I've said for a while, I think he's going to end up winning more yeah. PGA Tour titles than the rest of them. I think he's, he's got the best all-round game. He needs a week yeah. like DJ just had there, where yeah. it's somebody who's been on one for a while and just fucking kicks that door down, and then that's him probably going to have the floodgates open, whether it's majors or PGA Tour wins, but he needs that week. Crawford, four names. Uh, God, I, I really don't want to say Rory for the Masters, but I have to <laughs> do it. I'm in love with the man. Um, do it. Uh, so Rory, PGA. I think one of the young lads could win one next year. Um, Matt Wolf or Morikawa again could be one of those. Um, and then the PGA, the U.S. Open. Yeah, where is it next year? The U.S. Open. Anyone know? Not off the top. Tory. Yep. It's Tory, Tory isn't it? It's a Tory. Yeah. Damn it, I'd have changed mine to Tiger. Yeah, Ram could do well at Tory. Um, I think he's definitely due one. And then the Open next year, I always say there's probably some shit person you don't want to win. Fleetwood. (laughs) (laughs) Right, and I'll say DJ repeats at Augusta. At the US Open, um, I reckon we get a Tiger Woods win at Tory Pines. At the UK-British Open... I'm going to just throw out here Lewis Hazen and at the USPGA, I think that's going to be a, a John Rammer JT sort of tournament. Um, so that's the four uh, majors of next year. Now, yeah, I haven't asked Jamie yet. Jamie, what do you want to do? What do you oh, think? shit. Sorry, Jamie. <laughs> that's all right. Um, I don't really give it too much thought. Uh, Masters, uh, you got you got to look at Tiger. He striked it for the first couple of days. Um, he just got tired, I think, Saturday and Sunday. Um, PGA I don't really count so I'm not picking anyone for that <laughs> uh, the US Open and Torrey one of those brute to golf courses anyone can win there I'm going to say Daniel Berger he's good at, yeah he's good enough to win um, is he injured at the minute because he wasn't at the Masters no because he, he because the people at the Masters are the people who qualified for the ah, last one yeah. in April that's qualified for April. He's qualified for April next year. Yeah, like he, he gets hot, you know. I look, it's a name I pulled out of my arse, but anyway, uh, going with it, stick with it. And then the open, um, who knows, uh, could blow a hoolie that week and you could get, uh, as you said, random winner. I don't think it's going to be on, I don't think it's going to be McElroy or any of those players. Um, Monty wouldn't surprise me, wouldn't surprise me if Larry won, won another one. Um, <laughs> again, you are the cock of the north. Okay, so, yeah, we've had Jamie's uh, Flock 5, which was a hell of a lot more interesting than any of our three, Rob Crawford, myself. Um, (laughs) And we've discussed to death the Masters, uh, which is in the books, not for another year, but until April uh, coming. Now, as part of a new feature here, um, we don't usually talk about professional golf all that much, um, apart from, obviously, the Masters that we've just chatted about there. So I've got my mate from Luxembourg, which is a real place, um, Luxembourg Aaron, to basically give us a little wrap-up and look ahead to not only the PGA Tour next week, but the Women's Tour and the European Tour as well. He'll be talking to us about the uh, RACDG one-and-done competition as well, looking at some betting odds. Basically, all the stuff that um, necessitates research and forward planning uh, that me, Rob and Crawford completely refuse to do. So Luxembourg Aaron, take it away. Thanks very much, Gary. So, yeah, this section will be previewing uh, 
PGA Tour events and European Tour events upcoming, uh, a little review of those that have passed, uh, a little bit of a chat about betting uh, with the help of our good friend Mr Crisps and just information on the coverage that's coming up and where you can access your golf for this week. So starting on the theme of reflection, let's look very quickly back at Augusta. I don't need to spend too much time on it because last week I already spent approximately 60 hours on my sofa and now I need to replace it as a result. Uh, it was a, it was an excellent tournament. It's always really, really good to watch that course at any time of year. Yeah, it was a little bit different because the course was softer. Players were flying at their exact number, getting backspin off five woods and things like that. But the best player won. The best player in the world won. Uh, DJ was in complete control of his game and completely deserved it. Um, I think what we can take away from it is that Sungjae M and Cameron Smith are steely when they need to be. Uh, M perhaps on a more regular basis than Smith. Smith's putting last week and his ability to get up and down was outstanding. Uh, M's short game was fantastic, but... Um, yeah, uh, a little shout out on that note to Greg for winning the pool and uh, cheers to John for running that. It was really interesting for the week. So congratulations to Greg and look forward to the next one. So looking ahead to this week, well, we're going to talk about the RSM Classic, the event I know you've all been waiting for. Um, perhaps it, it holds its place in the schedule. It was the same week last year and perhaps the reason for that is because it too is in Georgia so the players don't have to go too far. It makes it easier for them and therefore we've got a decent top end of the field. A lot of them have stayed around after the Masters. Um, it'll be played at Sea Island Resort as it is every year and has been since 2015 over two courses the um, Seaside course and the Plantation course they're slightly different but the scoring averages are very similar um, on average it's minus 1.1 last year under par and uh, for the Seaside and for the Plantation minus 1.5 under par the Seaside played as the 35th ranked course on tour and the plantation is the 44th so you can see that they're definitely at the easier end of the scale uh, maybe it's also because it's seasonal but um, both are played on Bermuda greens uh, mostly Bermuda fairways Although uh, the seaside interestingly is a Lynx course so obviously built on compacted sand um, it is that time of year where a lot of the fields tend to be a little bit weaker but I think we have a stronger field this week and we have some really uh, some players that contended last week such as him taking part um, looking at the course again the, there are wide fairways in the plantation that's what makes it so easier three reachable par fives so when the players are playing that course they're really going to look to take advantage especially if the wind's up because if it is the seaside course can become quite difficult and can play closer to par than it normally does uh, so you need to take advantage of the plantation which is a little bit more sheltered but still can be quite tricky. An interesting fact about this and sort of quite well known in American golfing circles is that Sea Island is, is the home for a lot of golfers who place themselves in that part of the world. So we've got in the field this week we've got Harris English, Brian Harmon, Patton Kazire, Matt Kutcher, among others who base themselves out of Sea Island. There's a golf resort there and a, an academy so they are practicing there on a regular basis and may give them an advantage over the week. Looking through past winners, uh, last year we had Tyler Duncan win at 19 under and breaking Brendan Todd's heart. In that period where Brendan Todd was just winning every fucking golf tournament he entered the most bizarre turn uh, this was the one where he just ran out of steam a little bit uh, year before that Charles Hoyle the third at 19 under before that Austin Cook 21 Mackenzie Hughes at 17 and Kisner at 22 the year before that it is a fairly low scoring tournament and we'd expect it to be somewhere in around 20 under to win um, the winner will get 1.18 million dollars for winning and last place will get um, 14,300 dollars or um, in more relative terms, approximately three new kitchens. Uh, if you understand that, good, you've been paying attention. Um, I've talked to Mr. Crisps this week about his tips for this competition, and he was very, very keen on a bag of McCoy... No, he was very keen on 
Justin Rose. Coming off the back of last week, Rose played quite well at the Masters. He thinks this course is going to suit him fantastically, and he really liked the opening price of 40 to 1. So he was all over that. And he also mentioned, as a little bit of an outsider for us, Cameron Tringali. So Mr. Sunglasses has been tipped as the outsider. Keep an eye on that one. The coverage this week, well, 5 p.m. on Thursday, you can see your featured groups, which will probably include Ricky Fowler, even though he's not in the field. And at 6 p.m., you will see the proper coverage starting. That will only run until 9 p.m., at which point we will see the LPGA Tour event, which is a new event they put in on the schedule in Bel Air. So that could be interesting to see a new course played there. Which takes us over to the European Tour. I'm going to speak about this very briefly for a couple of reasons. Number one, the coverage starts at 7am. It's a hybrid event with the Sunshine Tour in South Africa, so coverage starting so early. It's nice if you've got the time to watch that, but we have seen this golf course on a number of occasions, and as always, the South African cream rises to the top. We've seen this 2001 here, we've seen Grace contending, and um, that's in line with Mr. St. Pierre's tips this week, which tell us that he thinks Christian Bezedenhout at the top of the market is... A good, uh, good value. 14 to 1 is available, but he thinks he possibly should be single figures. Flying back from Augusta, the only player in the field who did play at the Masters, and one of only two players in the field who's in the top 100 in the world, which tells you why there's only a million euro to play for across the whole field, whereas in the American event it's 1.1 million for the winner. So you can see the disparity between the two events. Realistically, this is going to be a bit of a time filler because the PGA Tour event is frankly more interesting this week, but it's good to have two events back on the schedule. And uh, as well as Bezaiden as the favourite, Aaron St. Pierre has tipped Mathieu Pavon at 90 to 1 to be his extra uh, little interest at a higher price. So thank you very much to the, for both of those tips. Um, I'll try and bring this section to you every week with a little look ahead to what's coming up and a very brief review of what's gone past to keep you in tune with the world of golf. And I'm doing this because we've just started the one and done. One and done also referred to as the OAD. If you did see OAD mentioned, don't think it's another member of CAD's family. It is not another Anderson Dillon. It is the one and done where you will select one golfer per week and you will get his earnings for that week and it will accumulate over a 32-week season. If you want in, well, it started this week. You can still join and please just drop me a message let me know selections to be in by wednesday night for the thursday tournament thank you very much for your time and i will see you next week right aaron brilliant thank you very much there's me pretending that i've actually listened to that and we've not just dropped it in there um no that was uh, that was really good aaron i really enjoyed that <laughs> but um, that about wraps us up for the week guys the zoom chat is about to die in less than a minute's time any parting thoughts jamie crawford rob anything I just want to play golf. Oh, God. So do, I. so do I. That's the worst thing about the Masters. And on that hugely, hugely depressing note, <laughs> we're going to say thank you very much for listening. Once again, everybody, we'll be back next week. Hope you're keeping roundabout sane throughout lockdown. And from Rob, from Crawford, and from Jamie Kenny, uh, a very, very good evening to you all. And we'll speak to you all very soon. Bye-bye. <laughs>